Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 77 of Soccer Noob Rocket America. I'm your host, Soccer Noob. I don't know a whole lot about soccer, do I, person noob? No. Nope, but I still like talking about it, don't I, per the song. I know a little bit about it, don't I? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know a lot about soccer, too? Yes. We're going to talk about matches from Friday the 1st through Thursday the 7th of April, and we're going to go all over the world for important, intriguing matches from tournaments and countries big and small. What's most important is not if the country is big or small, but if the match is really important where it's being played. If there's a title on the line or it's a number one versus two matchup, stuff like that, we're going to talk about it probably, aren't we? Yeah. Before we talk about that, what did I want to bring you on for the intro person to talk about? My birthday. That's right. We were looking for people to ask uh, ask questions, both for your questions will be answered today <laughs> segment. You got to throw the pause in. And it turns out some people also wanted to wish you a happy birthday. So let's start with the birthday wishes. We got one from um, the management who nobody, nobody out there seems to really understand if the management is real, but the management is a very real person to us, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he wanted to. And uh, Dan, the Inferno Inferno, Mr. Dan, who we know is real, he sent you a happy birthday wish right here on Twitter. I know this is audio, but we're looking at it. Uh, The management sent it over on Slack. And then we also got a happy birthday from our Twitter friend uh, at D Helling Sports, uh, Derek Helling, who we know through the Bryant and Me podcast, an excellent one, if we do say so ourselves. We enjoy where they do half soccer, half question answering. I don't do question answering, do I? No. Who does question answering around here? Me. You. And now that you have had your birthday, and how old are you now? Ten. Woo-hoo. So your life wisdom is blossoming, isn't it? And people can ask you all kinds of soccer or non-soccer, uh, deep or whatever other questions they want, can't they? Sure. You'll answer everything. <laughs> well, we only got one particular question for this week's questions will be answered today's segment and it is from Derek and he asks what's your favorite breakfast cereal is Captain Crunch yeah now it's so much your favorite that a couple of minutes ago before we started recording this part what did you have to do I had to go look what it's called <laughs> were you not sure if were you not sure of the name at all or were you not sure of his military rank could have been Lieutenant Crunch or something like that. Yeah. I don't think we needed to go busting him down on his pay or anything. Maybe someday he might make Admiral Crunch. <laughs> Noise. <laughs> I don't know what that would mean. It would still probably be the same cereal, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, since his questions will be answered today and your birthday was recently, I want to ask, how was your birthday? It was good. What did you get to do at school? 
I got to bring cupcakes to lunch. Oh. Now, I didn't go to lunch at your school, but Mommy did, didn't she? Yeah. Did Mommy have a cupcake? No. No, those were just for your classmates, weren't they? What kind were they? Uh, vanilla and chocolate. They had some kind of decoration right on top too, right? Oh yeah, they were like they were like little like rings that you'd find on top, mm-hmm. and we and we had them like kind of customized design. Oh, what design were they? Encanto. Oh, Encanto, your favorite movie. We we've got to get in at least one Encanto reference each and every week. In fact, we'll probably have two for this particular podcast. This being one. What else happened at school? I got a bouncy ball and a sticker. That a few days ago, I had to I had to spend like like twenty minutes getting off my desk. Days later, <laughs> happy birthday to you! Here's a chore, and there was one other big thing that happened, didn't it? Hmm. Didn't everybody sing? Yeah, who? So what? So t- tell us about that. Well, it was morning prayer service time, and then um, they asked for like birthdays. And I was the only one with the birthday, and when everyone's looking directly at you singing. Yeah, it's not just your small class, is it? No. No, who else was there? The entire school. The entire school for morning prayer service, just singing happy birthday to you. That sounds that sounds pretty cool. Even, even if it's a small school, that's a lot of people singing just to you, isn't it? There was it? over 350 students. Holy cow. And how was your birthday party for bowling? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> More specifically, uh, it got changed. Yeah, that's right. We had to postpone it. What happened? I was throwing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, person who got the stomach flu. So yeah. now this is now you might think, okay, it's only going to get put off a week. Not a big deal. And in a way, it's in a way, it's not a big deal. I mean, I don't want to, you know. I don't want to speak down to your pain or something like that because a week is a long time to wait when you're a kid, isn't it? But this was extra big deal because your birthday always falls on what for school? It always falls on a weekday. And more specifically, what time of year for the school calendar? Where is everybody usually when you're going to have, when you want to have a party? Spring break. Yeah. So this time your birthday actually came before the school calendar is spring break. And there were going to be people to actually come to your party for a change. Whereas normally it's just a couple. The only birthday that I, that I actually remember having was kindergarten. And I remember it as not spring break. It was like Thursday, I think that day. Um, and that was like the that was like one of the two birthdays that I ever remember that was not on spring break. Wow. Okay. And you got some presents from back in Iowa from Grandpa and Grandma, didn't you? Yeah. What did you get? I got a Nerf gun. Yeah. Thank you, Grandpa and Grandma, for the Nerf gun from me and the cats. <laughs> She's been told she shoots me in the face. It's gone. Period. End of discussion. Doesn't matter if it's on purpose or not. And I got a nail set. Yes, you were going to be very snazzy, the right word, now that you're 10, very fashionable. Would that be a better way to put it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you so much for sparing all your uh, birthday details with us. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Dad likes Pinkie Pie from My Little Pony. I'm not sure what that has to do with Oh, I remember what that had to do with your birthday When I put out on Twitter that it was your birthday I used Pinkie Pie and her party cannon As part of the theme Yes, Pinkie Pie's party cannon I'm not a brony per se, but 
Pinkie Pie's party can is the coolest unreal invention that I've pretty much ever seen. That could be a real thing. So wait, now you know what to get me for my birthday. Dad. Yeah. If scientists were selling a party cannon for um for five hundred dollars, would you buy it? Yeah, and if it, I if I had to steal a bank, yeah, I would absolutely want. It. I want a party cannon more than I want anything in the whole world. <laughs> Are you saying you don't want a party cannon? No, it's just weird. How you would spend like all your money for? I don't know. I don't know how to explain this or justify it. It, it, it speaks for itself. It's a cannon that shoots party favors that land perfectly on a table over and over and over. Instead of being an instrument of death, it is an instrument of delight, this cannon. I remember when you used to watch My Little Pony with me when I was like kind of little. And then every time that Pinkie Pie used her, can- used, used her cannon, you would always point that out. Well, sure, because it's the best thing ever. No apologies from me. I will not. I will not run away and hide from this, listeners. I completely own the fact that I am down with the party cannon. Pinkie Pie is my hero. All right. Shall we let? Shall we get? Shall we let him have some of the soccer content too? Sure. All right. Let's drive right into the upcoming week's matches now. Get it going with match number one. And we start off with a Friday match, and we are headed to Africa for Champions League action. They're still in the group stage there, but it is the last match of the group stage. So things are getting very dramatic. Here's the layout. Four groups of four are who have been playing in the group stage. The top two from each group are going to advance. Everybody else goes home. Very simple. Now, uh, your matchup that we're going to look at is number four in one of the groups, last place, Haroya AC out of Guinea versus number three, Amazulu FC. Uh, Truth be told, a lot of the slots in a lot of the groups have already been filled. Everybody knows pretty much what's going to happen, but there's still some mystery here. Amazulu out of South Africa, they trail second place ES Satif by three points and five on goal differential. So the odds of them being able to get in are slim, but they're going to need a win and it Maybe a marginally big win, but then on the flip side, of course, that means that the second place team is playing who? The number one team, and I believe they are traveling to Raja Casablanca, which could put a hurt on just about anybody in Africa. The question in that game, though, is whether or not Raja Casablanca will be playing their starters or whether they'll be giving some uh, younger guys in reserve some time since their slot in uh, the next round, the quarterfinals, is already guaranteed mathematically. So this is the one we're going to talk about. And we will start, as always, with the home team. Haroya, they play out of Conakry, which is the capital. Interestingly, I've talked about them, uh, I think, once before, maybe twice, but something I just discovered, the meaning of the club name. I always look like looking at definitions and etymologies. Uh, it means both liberty and freedom, depending on whether you're talking about the local language or Arabic, apparently. It has that pronunciation in both languages, and I suspect that it's uh, very much a coincidence, but still pretty cool. Now, the league they play out of the top flight in Guinea is the Championnat Nacional, and that is the ninth-ranked league in all of Africa, so not too shabby. Uh, the club is, uh, of the six teams that are 16 teams that are left in all the groups, they're seeded number seven, so they came out of pot number one, but just barely. They qualified by winning the league last year, 2020-2021. No surprise, they've been doing a lot of that lately. 
Here in this event, the group stage, they are currently 1-1-4. One, one, and four. They're already eliminated. And uh, the problem has largely been on the defense. Things have been fairly uh, played fairly closely to the vest for most of the teams in most of the groups here, the group stage in Africa. So the five goals they scored is okay, but uh, the eight goals has really been a problem. That is a lot for this particular event. Now, to get a sense of how they're doing overall, though, well, we'll be talking about them next year, certainly, and probably for league play in between, because they are, once again, number one in their own championnat nacional. They lead by six currently. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season, just like in Europe, and they have a cartoonishly good 31-3 and goal differential. My notes indicate that this is their seventh CAF appearance in a row. I suspect I meant CL for Champions League, but who knows? Maybe there have been some uh, uh, Confederation Cup, their uh, their version of the Europa League appearances mixed in there. In any case, they're always at or near the top of their league. Last year, they got in, but they fell out in the group stage. Uh, the best they've done two different times, they've made the quarterfinals in 2018 and 2018-19. So all this is to say that this is a team with a lot of pride and there's probably little that they would like better since they're not going to be advancing than to make sure that the rivals out of South Africa are going to end up going home just like they will. Amazulu. Now, uh, they're out of the big South African port city of Durban, which is just the number three size city in all of South Africa, but it's one of the biggest ones uh, on, you know, basically on the Indian Ocean. Uh, just huge, three and a half million people metro. They are known as the Heroes, a very cool nickname in my opinion. Their league is much stronger than uh, the one in Guinea. It's ranked number five in Africa. That said, it appears that this is their first Champions League appearance ever. I've always got to take some of these things with a grain of salt based on the information I can find and where I can find it. But it appears that their only uh, Division I league win was all the way back in 1972. Uh, they qualified for this event. Uh, the league gets two berths since they're in the top 12 in Africa. And they finished in second place in their league last year, the South African Premier League. Here in the group stage, they are 2-0-3 and, and really playing tight ball. Uh, goal differential is just 2-5. to five. So you can see that, uh, you know, I, I said they're playing close to the vest in this, but you've got to score more than a goal every other match or so if you want to advance. They're really going to have to turn it on against Haroya. The only person who has scored multiple goals for them in the event is Lavuyo Memela. He's a winger, veteran, 34 years old. He spent his entire career with South African clubs. How are they doing in this league? What can we expect? Well, it's a tougher league, and quite frankly, they're not having the best of it right now. They're only in ninth place out of the 16. And the uh, problem, or I suppose if it's keeping them afloat, maybe uh, what's keeping them from being worse is the number of draws. They are 5 14 and five, just a ridiculous number of ties in their matches. The trouble has been on offense. They've barely been scoring over one goal per match. Match number B. Hark, was that person and did she say match number B? We, we don't talk about, about match, match number, number you know what. We talk about number B instead. The new number between one and three. It's the magical, mystical, beautiful number B. Wow, I don't know if the rest of that sounded like we don't talk about Bruno, but I think Lynn, Lynn Manuel Miranda would be impressed with what you were just doing. You know, maybe if they, maybe if he does a, a, a maybe if he does a sequel to uh, 
uh, Encanto, or maybe if he even does a sequel to Hamilton called, you know, Polk. So that would probably be a less exciting play, but the music would be great if person were involved. So now that we've got that out of the way, match number B, well, where are we going? To the Middle Eastern country of Bahrain for their FA Cup final. Now, uh, Bahrain is only, uh, Bahrain's top league, their Premier League, is only rated number two, 22 in the AFC. So let's talk about a little bit about what the AFC Cup is. Now, in Europe, for example, if you win the FA Cup, traditionally in the past, you've always gone to the secondary club tournament called the Europa League. Now, sometimes if you're in one of the weaker leagues, you might go to the Europa Conference League. Either way, the AFC Cup is not the AFC Champions League. It's a little bit different. The top leagues from all of Asia do not send any of their teams to the AFC Cup. Some of the ones that are in the second tier a little bit further down, maybe in the teens, they might send their third or fourth place teams or both to it. Primarily, it is a tournament for the champions of the league from uh, easily all the teams in the uh, all the countries in the bottom half of the AFC, what they call soccer developing nations, countries that are just a little smaller, a little poorer, or they might even be a big country, but where soccer isn't necessarily the more popular sport. Anyway, so now you understand a little bit more about the stakes. Who are our combatants? It's going to be all hid versus Muharak, which are both from the top flight in Bahrain. Let's talk about al hid first. They are very much your underdogs. They are based on the t- in a little town on Muharak Island, which is just to the uh, northeast of the main body of the country on what's called the sand spit. You have any idea what a sand spit is, person noob? No. No. Well, it's, uh, I'm not sure I fully understand, but basically if you've got waves, because like at the corner of an island, coming from two different directions and bringing a lot of sediment and debris and maybe some, or some of it's coming out of a river and is being held in place by two different currents coming from two different directions, all that stuff builds up over time and eventually is solid enough that it's sort of like regular old land and you can build on it. And they made a whole town out of it over there. Now, as far as the, uh, by the way, about this uh, whole area, it's uh, Muslim, obviously, but it's very Sunni and very religiously conservative. If you've heard of Muharak Island, don't follow football over here. That's probably where you know it from. Town, it's a decent sized sand spit. It's got well over 50,000 people. Footy-wise, they have two league titles to their credit. They won it just a couple years ago, 2019-2020. They've also won this event twice, 2017. So underdogs, but perhaps they are the new and rising power. Now, uh, they have uh, made appearances five different times in this event. First time was 2014, uh, and that was the only time they actually got past the group stage. They made the quarterfinals. Currently in the league, rising power, but not having a great season. They're only in eighth place, and they only have one win on the season. They're sitting in a relegation playoff spot, so rising and then sinking. Uh, The problem is offense. They've had the worst in the league. They're not even managing one goal per game. Uh, The defense is closer to average, number seven there. What little offense they have been getting is due to the feat of team scoring leader Tariq Kada, and he is from the Netherlands of all places. He plays midfield and European footy fans. If your knowledge runs deeply enough, yes, uh, you might guess where he played. He was with home country power PSV Eindhoven 2017-18 season. 
Therefore, they are one, two, and one in their last four. And now your favorites. Uh, everything tends to come up Muharak. They are known as the Red Wolf. Really cool nickname. Uh, it's the third biggest city in the country. It has maybe 200,000 people. History majors might remember it as being uh, a large home back in the day for the Nestorian uh, Christian community, uh, I think around 5th or 6th century uh, AD. That was one of the uh, three big Eastern branches, at least at the time, of Christianity. Footy-wise, there is no mistaking that these are the folks who are your favorites and waiting to get dethroned. They have won the league title 33 times record for the country, although they haven't won it since 2017-18, interestingly. Currently, they're in third place, and they trail the league leaders by eight. So things are getting just a little more fluid over there. They are your defending AFC Cup winners. Uh, as such, actually, they will go to uh, the Champions League next year. They get an automatic bid for winning the event. In terms of uh, this event, I think that their uh, Asian Cup bid that they would otherwise get for being the champions of the, the league from last year will pass to this year's second place finishers. They've been to the Champions League five different times, and uh, they even won it all the way back in 1994. Not 100% sure it was even called uh, the Champions League then, but it's the same thing. Very well balanced in league play. Uh, top four offense, top three defense, just not a lot of weaknesses just maybe their strengths have been fading a little bit, and that's why they're in third in the league. Team scoring leader for them is a Brazilian attacker named uh, Flavio Carioca. Uh, he spent his last two years with Maltese clubs, Floriana and Sirens. Their current form, uh, everything is starting to go very well for them and fall in line. They have won eight straight matches. Match number three. In case I failed to mention, by the way, that was a Saturday match, as is match number three, where we are going to sort of rock America per our title, but you're not going to get a full-on match mini preview. Oh, you're going to get something so much better, as we're not going to talk precisely about Chicago versus Dallas. Instead, we're going to learn how to gamble on it since it's early in the season. We'll get to some serious mini previews for them later on. And so, as always, to know which direction to lay our quid, we are going to turn to a drug-addled vision from our in-house prognosticator, 3,500-year-old Noob Stradamus. Take it away, oh mighty diviner. Greetings from Chicago. One of the few places which might be windier than the Thracian plains of Greece. Tis I, Nubstradamus, here to divine a soccer score for those who will heed my wisdom and foresight. No lotus leaf to be found here in the second city, but there are other herbs I find, and so I travel once again through space and time. Whee. I wake to my vision and find myself not in Chai Town, but rather in the beautifully filled Hollywood Palladium. It's an Art Deco dream. But wait, that's Andy Williams I see chatting through the stage curtains. It's the Grammys. 1977. Noob, my displeasure with this vision is great. 1976 was the greatest year for rock and roll of that entire decade and maybe ever. 
One doesn't have to have infinite wisdom like mine own holy self to know that that's largely due to Queen, greatest band ever. And this is the year Bohemian Rhapsody was up for best song by pop duo or group. And the year the Grammy's greatest sin, Queen did not win. And who, pray tell, was it that had a song that beat them out? Chicago! If You Leave Me Now was a lush but overwrought ballad with fair vocals construction, and that was all. In fact, I agree with guitarist Terry Kath that the Chicago 10 album was too ballad-focused entirely. Good for him for refusing to ever play it live. Noob. MLS's Chicago team will pay a terrible price for the city's band namesake. They will lose to visiting Dallas this day. Nil to ten. I have seen. And I have spoken. Nothing really matters. Anyone can see. Nothing really matters to me. Match number four. You can flip your calendar to Sunday and get ready to scoot on back to Africa. We had such a good time there before. We're going to make hay there again, but not in the Champions League this time. We're going to take a look at a match from the Confederation Cup. That's their equivalent of the Europa Cup, more or less, a secondary club tournament over there. Uh, they, The teams earn their way in a little bit differently. Almost 100% of the teams that are involved in this were FA Cup winners. Some leagues, some of the very best leagues, do send... Uh, maybe they're uh, runners-up or third-place teams down into it. And some teams from the Champions League that lose very early do drop down into this event. So, who's left? 16 teams. They've been divided into four groups of four. The top two will advance to the knockout round. Everybody else goes home, just like for the Champions League. And the particular group that these two combatants are in, it is high drama. And that's why I'm looking at a match like this uh Look, I realize that they are, quote-unquote, bigger matches. Like, there's a top-four matchup in uh, Spain and Germany this week. We're not going to happen to get to it because those teams are pretty much set to get Champions League bursts. And not that they're not dramatic, and not that some weeks I wouldn't cover them, but half the teams from this event are about to get eliminated. Those are the sort of stakes and the high drama that we are looking for. Your matchup from this group is number B, RSB, out of Morocco. They are taking on number one, ASEC, Mimosas from Ivory Coast. Mimosas, by the way, Persidoub, not for the alcoholic beverage you may or may not have heard of, but it is actually named for a very, very pretty flower that's so prevalent in the Ivory Coast, or at least this club's area, that it's actually pictured as the, it's featured as the main thing right on the crest. Very pretty crest. In any case, let's take a look at the table where no one is dead in the water. ASEC. Now they are going to advance. The question is, and it matters for where you're seated in uh, the next round, whether they'll finish in first or second. ASEC Mimosas have nine points plus two goal differential. RSB, two points behind is all, seven points plus one goal differential. They are tied on points with Tanzania's very good champion, Simba SC, although they've got a negative two goal differential. And then even from little tiny Niger, 
Gendarmerie. They've got five points, negative one goal differential. They cannot win the group, but they can still finish in second with the right confluence of events. We're going to focus on the more competitive match here. And the home team is RSB. The B stands for Burkane or Burkane. I'm not sure which way it's pronounced, but they are not the Orange Boys, but the Oranges Boys. I'm sure that you can guess that they are named as such because this area is very well known for its citrus production specifically. And by the way, that uh, Burkane or Burkane, that is the name of the both city and the province. It's in the northeast part of the country. Decent sized, uh, you know, a very, very big town, let's say well over 100,000 people. And it is in the heart of Berber country up there. In fact, uh, the name of the city and the province, Burkane or Burkane, means black in color in the Berber language. Now, the league they're playing out of is an excellent one. It is second ranked in all of Africa, the Protoa Pro. That said, RSB has been a bit of a yo-yo club over the years, not always in it. Although they were re-promoted last to the top flight just over a decade ago, and they haven't gone back down since. And uh, they've had a lot of success for being able to stay up. They were uh, they won this event in 2019, 2020, and they were runners-up the year before. So they feel right at home, whether they're at home or not, which in this case they are. Uh, they qualified for this event by finishing in fourth place in their league last year. Of the 16 teams that are remaining, they were uh, they are your second seed. They are. Uh, this is a team that should vie for the title once again, to be perfectly honest. Although they need to get their defense a little bit in shape. They've been struggling in that regard in this tournament. The offense, they're hard to outscore, though. They've got a couple of top 10 scores with three goals each in the event are Sharky El Bahri and Moad Fekak, F-E-K-K-A-K. Not sure the pronunciation there. Interesting name. As far as league play this year, maybe a little bit better judge of what they're doing, uh, how they're doing overall. The Batola Bro, uh, they're only in sixth place, interestingly enough. And it really looks like, mathematically, this isn't factual, but it really looks like the top two teams have separated themselves. And so they're not going to get to go to Champions League next year. But they're only one point behind the third place team. So they've got to leapfrog some people on goal differential. But there's a really tight race for next year's Confederation Cup slots. And just like in Europe, they're about two-thirds of the way through the season. Now, things have been sort of the opposite for them in league play. They've actually got a slightly below average offense there, but a little bit better than average defense. And they're tied for number four overall in goal differential, which I think is a key metric and you know shows that this team can really get it together. Although they haven't had it so much together lately. Their last four, between these two competitions, league and this event, they're only 0-1-3. And now coming to town, the challengers, ASEC Mimosas, they play out of a city called uh, Abidjan, which is the economic capital of Ivory Coast if not the administrative one. It's in the southeast part of the country. They got into this event by dropping down from the Champions League. They were one of the early losers there. In fact, they won that in 1968, which admittedly is a long ways back. But when you're used to success or you've had it in your past, I think that you work a little harder to replicate it. Key player to look for, top 10 event score, Stefani Aziz Kai, or Key, it's just spelled K-I. He is out of uh, Burkina Faso, plays midfielder for them. And I'm going to bet, even though he's done some time in Europe, you've got to really follow everybody to be familiar with this guy. But he did spend a few recent seasons uh, with various Cypriot clubs. The league, it's just ranked number 16 in the CAF, so they only spend, uh, spend, they only send one team to the Champions League each year. And then 
Obviously, as I said, they dropped down to this one after losing. But they'll probably be there again before too long. 27 league titles to their credit, best in country's history. They are your defending champions, of course. In this year's League One season domestically, they're in fourth place halfway through the season. But there's a reason they're only in fourth. This is still your team to beat. They have four to five matches in hand on every other team in the country. And they're only five points behind the league leaders right now. They're going to catch up. They're good on offense, but tremendous on defense. They don't even give up a goal on average every, every other match. Match number five. We skip right over Monday. You deserve a break. New Bites Tuesday. We're back closer to home or at home, depending on if you're from Mexico or not, because we're going to look at the CONCACAF Champions League, a semifinal, the first leg of a two-legged home-and-away tie between the two Liga MX teams remaining, Pumas, UNAM, and Cruz Azul. The series between these two, Cruz Azul have had the better of it in recent seasons with a 12-8-7 record. The winners will get either Seattle or NYCFC in the final. 9 o'clock in the evening Eastern is when you can watch this if you want to. TUDN for the Spanish broadcast. FS1 if you prefer it in English. And we'll talk about Pumas first. They're one of the big teams out of Mexico City. In fact, historically, they're known as one of the big four. Uh, by the way, they typically just go by Pumas. The rest of that acronym I found out stands for National Autonomous University of Mexico, with whom they're affiliated, where the club got its start. Excellent research university. Just a sterling reputation. Uh, three CONCACAF Champions League titles to their credit for the Pumas, although you've got to go all the way back to 1989 to catch the last time that they won it. They've won seven league titles, but the last one was over a decade ago. That was one of the stages in 2011. They qualified for this year's Champions League by finishing in second place last year in the opening or Apertura stage of the 2021 season. So this year, they're kind of considered the uh, third best team or the third seeded team coming out of Mexico for this tournament. They advanced to the semifinal by beating New England Revolution in quite a comeback. They were down 3-0 after the away match, and then they tied it up at home with their own 3-0 win and went on to win 3-4 on penalty kicks. That's really something because New England uh, Revolution were the best team in the league last year in the regular season for MLS. Uh, number one in event scoring with five goals is Argentinian striker Juan Ignacio Dieno. And we have a USA connection, uh, Sebastian Saucedo. He's a 25-year-old winger. I came up with uh, Real Salt Lake's youth system. He's repped for both the youth sides on uh, for USA and Mexico, but more recently with the USA. He was with the uh, under-23 squad. No senior team call-ups. How are they doing in the league? Well, uh, this season in the Clausura stage, they're halfway through. They're only in 12th place, so maybe they're a little soft for Cruz Azul coming into this, although they have gotten this far, so it's hard to say. Uh, tied for number six on offense in the league. The defense is what's really average. They're uh, right on the line there, middle of the league. Current form, 1-1-1 one, one, one in their last three with a 5-4 uh, and four goal differential. And now for Person Noob's favorite, Cruz Azul. Go fight win, the greatest generic cheer of all time. I'm a good dad and have passed it on to her. You can use it in any situation and not offend anyone. Don't even say the name of the team. Just yell, go fight win. Anyway, it's not as important as number B versus number you know what, but it's something I believe in, nevertheless, with all my heart. Now, let's actually talk about the team. They've got a slew of cool nicknames. They're known as the machine. The cement makers are the one I like best, the hares, like rabbits. Uh, they also play in Mexico City. They qualified for this event by winning the 2020-2021 Clausura stage. 
this team was kind of the Chicago Cubs of Mexican football. That was their first domestic title in 24 years. They had been considered very much and very literally cursed down there. Although they've always done better internationally than domestically. It's not like they've been at the bottom of the league or something. Uh, They've won six Champions League titles, in fact. Most recent win was 2013-2014. They advanced to this semifinal by beating Major League Soccer's CDF Montreal 2-1 on aggregate. Key players to look for. Top 10 in event scoring with a couple of them is uh, Uriel or Uriel Antuna. He's a winger, Mexican, 24 years old. Uh, he played a couple of his early years, uh, well, not with Man City. They had the rights to him, and he was always loaned out. And one of those uh, loan outs, MLS fans, was with LA Galaxy. Very good if he got it. And shame and curses on you if you didn't. We're going to be very harsh for some reason. In any case, he's one of the fastest footballers footballers in the world. He's very hard to watch. And yet, for some reason, his play is strange. He gets the separation, gets the ball, but once he's in the offensive zone, he holds it up. Now, that leads to getting uh, fouled a lot, so you get a lot of free kicks out of it. But it's kind of strange to me that he wouldn't continue to drive forward, typically. In any case, how's the team doing in league play? Well, currently they are in sixth place in the Clausura stage in Liga MX. Offense has been good. Defense has been uh, fairly average. The nice thing is if you choose to watch this one, I would expect something of a shootout. Hark, the Kitty Heralds. They want a recap from last week's matches, and we shall give it to them. Friday, match number one last week was from African World Cup qualifying final. We had Egypt playing host to Senegal in leg leg one, and Egypt won 1-0. But later on in the week when they played the second leg, Senegal would win. Rather, they would tie their match and then win and advance 3-1 on penalty kicks. So, no Egypt for the World Cup. Saturday, match number B from Guatemala, the Liga Nacional Clausura stage. It was a 1-1 draw for number B, Coban Imperial, and number one, Deportivo Malacateco. There was no change there in table position. Sunday match number three was the playoff final from Australia's A-League women, Sydney FC, playing host to Melbourne Victory, and we had an upset from the road. Melbourne Victory won 1-2, and the best Melbourne Victory player was USA's Catherine Zimmerman getting the winning goal. Congratulations to her. For Sydney, player we said to focus on Courtney Vine. She had the goal for Sydney. Match number four for World Cup qualifying in our region, CONCACAF, number B, USA, took on number five, Panama in Orlando. It's USA coming out on top 5-1. Only thing that needs to happen after this, and the result will probably already be in by the time you're hearing this, is the USA only have to not lose to Costa Rica by six or more goals to qualify directly to the World Cup. So with the tiniest of asterisks, congratulations to the USMNT. Tuesday match number five from UEFA Champions League, the second round final between, or not Champions League, but World Cup qualifying rather, Poland versus Sweden, and it was the home side. Poland getting the win, 2-0. Congratulations to them. The great Lewandowski had a goal. Match number six from Conmebol, South America World Cup qualifying. Number five, Peru took on number eight, Paraguay. It was the very last match win, and they are on to the international, or not, the intercontinental playoff, I should say. Peru won the match 2-0. Congratulations to them on advancing to almost the World Cup. Christian Cueva, key player we said a look for, had an assist on the game-winning goal. Match number seven, more World Cup qualifying from Asia this time. Number three, UAE took on number one, South Korea. South Korea already knew they were moving on. UAE 
All they needed was a win, and they knew that they would get to go on to the next round of the playoffs, and they did, in fact, get a 1-0 win. That's a really nice result. South Korea is tough. And so they will be facing Australia in the Intercontinental Playoff for the right to go to the World Cup in November. Wednesday, match number eight from Oceania's Football Confederation World Cup qualifying. They played this in Qatar. Solomon Islands took on favorites New Zealand. New Zealand, uh, they won 0-5. No real surprise there. Everybody knew that they were going to do that now that Australia is not in the AFC. And who knows? They are not in Oceania. Who knows? New Zealand may follow them in the coming years to the AFC as well. Match number nine for the U.S. Open Cup. First round, Lynchburg took on Northern Virginia or Nova. And it was Nova, the road team, getting a win 1-3 for the upset. Thursday, match number 10 from UEFA Women's Champions League. The second leg of their home and away uh, two-legged tie for the quarterfinal. VFL Wolfsburg took on Arsenal women. It had been one-to-one after the first leg in England, but as we predicted, Wolfsburg, their world class. They won 2-0 and won 3-1 on aggregate. And then your bonus matches with explanations on these coming later. Sunday from the Liga Panamania Apertura, we had number one in the West, Atletico uh, Chiriqui taking on number six in the East, Arabe Unido, and it was Chiriqui just squeaking out a win, 1-0. Usually that's a bigger blowout. And the most meaningless match in the world, which we said would be on a Saturday, but in fact it ended up being on a Wednesday. Regardless, it was from the Apertura of the Cuban Primera Division, and it was number four from Group B, Guantanamo, taking on number five from Group B, Granma. It was a 1-1 draw, no change in table positions there. And then finally, your match was disappointed from the Madagascar Pro League, number eight in the northern group of two. 5FC took on number 7 in the north, JET Quintana, and it was JET, no real surprise here, 5 are terrible. They, JET won 0-2, and that actually moves them up to number 6 in their division. That concludes the recap from last week's matches. Now let's dive right back in to analyzing next week's matches with... Match number 6. More Tuesday Champions League action, and is this really the first time this podcast that we're heading over to Europe? I've got to scroll through my notes and double-check that real quick. That's really something. We usually don't have to wait anywhere near that long, and it turns out that is right. Well, certainly overdue, and we're going to look at a quarterfinal leg one match between Benfica of Portugal and Liverpool. The winner is going to get either Villarreal from uh, La Liga or uh, Bayern Munich from the Bundesliga. You can watch this one, 3 o'clock Eastern. Paramount Plus is the channel. Benfica, the Eagles out of Lisbon. They've won the Champions League title twice, but their halcyon days were quite a ways back. Uh, the early 60s is when they won those. Give you an idea how they're doing more recently. Last year, for example, they lost in the third qualifying round. Didn't quite make the event proper. They qualified for this year's event as just the number three finisher from last year's Primeira League at the top light over in Portugal. So it's really something that they've gotten this far and uh, outlasted the teams that finished in the top two because they had to start in the third qualifying round and the other two didn't. They advanced to this stage last round by beating Ajax from the Netherlands 3-2 to on aggregate. 
this year in league play. They are in third place once again, and uh, they could get up to second or fall to fourth, but uh, mathematically, but really that looks like that is where they're going to finish. They've got the number one offense going in by quite a bit, to be perfectly honest. They average almost two and a half goals per game. Uh, Defense is top four, but that said, they're really not in the same league as the top two teams, uh, even from their own league in that regard. But that offense is so good that it's still the second best overall goal differential. The number one league score that they've got going uh, with 21 on the season is Darwin Nunez, their 22-year-old Argentinian striker. Uh, He plays some left wing as well, and that's where his uh, really advanced acceleration skill is uh, best put to use, to be honest. He's probably not going to be there. might be gone as early as next year. There have already been rumors that have come and largely gone away from Manchester United. Uh, The most recent one being circulated out there by many a source is that he will be Lacazette's replacement at Arsenal, which is sort of a team noob favorite. So we're going to be perhaps a fan of Mr. Nunez. They've also got the number one assist man in their own league, uh, Rafa Silva, attacking midfielder. But I think the hottest player they've got going, and he's going to be, you know, he'll always be critical. I think when they uh, have their road match against Liverpool, that's when he's really going to have to shine. But in any case, uh, Gilberto Jr., he is their Brazilian right back, but he also plays some right midfielder. Couple goals, three assists on the season, but he's an exceptional tackler. He's going to be somebody that likes to sneak up and help on offense a little bit, but is uh, good at stopping those counters or uh, pressing dribblers. As far as the team's current form, they just suffered a road loss to fourth place Braga, but that broke a nine match unbeaten streak. They have been in quite a run. Now, Liverpool, they qualified as the number three finisher from the Premier League last year. They advanced to this round from the round of 16 over Inter Milan, 2-1 on aggregate. Tied for number three in events, scoring with eight is Mo Salah. This year in league play, they're in second place and just one point behind Man City. At one point, it looked like Man City was really going to run away with it, but they've fallen back to the pack just enough to have make it a two-horse race. Liverpool has the number one offense in the league going, over two and a half goals per match. And then the second best defense as well. They only average giving up two goals every three matches on the dot. And that's actually uh, good for uh, the number one overall goal differential. I think Liverpool are going to win the premier. I also think they can get by any side that Portugal is going to throw at them, but it always starts on the road. And then the superior team or better seeded team anyway, gets to host uh, the second part of the two legged tie. Number one on assists for the team is Trent Alexander Arnold, 23-year-old right back. It's no fluke that he's great in that regard, even though he technically has a defensive position. He actually came up through Liverpool system as a midfielder, and he's a set-piece specialist as well. And then tied for number one in clean sheets. I'm going to say he's my favorite goalkeeper in the world just because he is the singularly named, sorry, Elvis Costello fans, Allison. Other players' aims may be true. Yes, you're welcome for the lyrical pun there, or joke at least, but Allison, excellent at stopping them. The team hasn't conceded any goals in their last four matches in any competition whatsoever. This all said, the hottest player they have going is probably usually their second best scorer, and that is uh, Diego Hota out of Portugal. He plays center forward for them. Doesn't help much on assists, but he's got uh, 14 goals, I believe, on the league season. Match number seven. More Tuesday tournament action. This time we're going over to Asia. Remember we talked about uh, the Bahraini, basically FA Cup winner getting to go to the AFC Cup? Well, the 2022 version is just about to start. So obviously 
the winner of that event will go to the 2023 version. I just don't want to have any confusion over that. Uh, so this is the very, very first round or preliminary round. There are only four teams in it. The matchup we're going to concentrate on is Nepal's Mashindra. They will be playing host to Blue Star out of Sri Lanka. Uh, both of these teams are from the South Asian zone. That is one of uh, five subzones within the AFC. They're the only subzone that is, in fact, all four teams that are entering at this round are all from that zone. The winner will get to move on in the bracket to face they who had a bye from India, ATK Moen Bagan, really good team from uh, the Super League over there. And this looks like it's going to be uh, the more competitive of the two matches, which is why I picked this particular one. We'll talk about Mashendra Hurst first playing host. They play out of the capital city of Kathmandu, as I think does at least half the league over there. The league is only ranked number 34 in the AFC. AFC has about as many uh, uh, national associations as Europe. So they're you know not in the top half and not really flirting with it, but not way far down. Uh, they qualified by being number one in the 2021-22 Martyrs Division A last year after seven matches. Because of COVID and compression, and they might have even been changing the schedule because they now have a more MLS franchised-based uh, league that is playing there, a code number one league, if you will. And uh, they weren't able to get anywhere close to finishing the league in time for the deadline. Normally, they would send their uh, league end-of-year champion this time. It had to be a little bit different. But things turned out as they should have because, in fact, uh, Mashindra did run away with the league. They had uh, they had a 20-2 goal differential, went undefeated, and won the league by 12 points in just their 13-match season. Quite dominant. It's the second time they've ever won the league title, but this is their first AFC Cup appearance. The AFC Cup can uh, was canceled a couple of times, and one of the times is when Mashindra would have gotten to play in it. Key players to look for in this one, tied for number two in their lead scoring. Whoops! I get so excited for the AFC Cup and going to some of these far-flung corners of the footy world, and I forget to use number B in league scoring is Sunil Ball, midfielder, 24 years old, and I hope he can forgive me for my misstep. He should be full of grace. After all, he was last year's player of the year. Is everything going for him? He's also made 30 national team appearances for the ball, all since 2018. They also have the number one uh, goalkeeper in terms of clean sheets, Vishal Shrefsa, I guess that's my punishment for saying number you know what is to try to pronounce that last name. Interestingly, as far as his national team time, he's been uh, practicing and training and with the team, quote unquote, since 2011, but he actually only made his first appearance last year. And uh, another reason I really like this guy, despite his last name, is that he played from 2010 through 19 at our favorite team in Nepal, because I had a co-worker from there who was a big fan of this one, Manang Marshyangdi, one of the big three league teams over there. All right, and now let's talk about Sri Lanka. I don't think I've ever covered a team from there. Their nickname is the Blue Army, since they are the Blue Star. They play out of the town of uh, Kalyu or Kalutara. I don't know how it's pronounced, but I do know that it means in the uh, native language in Samhala, uh, Black River. Gorgeous area because all four major rivers from the country uh, come to here in the southeast part of the country where the city is, and they all empty out of the sea. 
pretty much all in this same area. This is a city of about 160,000 of the greater metro, and it is the administrative capital of the island country. Uh, as far as their economy, I found a couple of interesting things. I like to look up this stuff, especially when it's an area I have no familiarity with. Uh, still, despite the size of the town, even here in modern days, they are known for their rope and basket production, largely made with coconut fiber grown in the area. And then they make a lot of fruit. And the one I really want to try, because I like mangoes, but I want to know if a mangosteen, S-T-E-E-N on the end of mango, tastes the same. It certainly doesn't look the same. It's something of a different shape. And it is purple rather than orange or an orangish yellow that's at least, I think, somewhat traditional for mangoes. Anyway, back to the footy instead of my uh, all my coconuts and my mango steeds. Uh, Sri Lanka's top flight, the Super League, is ranked number 35 in the AFC. Uh, this team was the 2021 Super League champions. That is one of two times they have ever won the title. Match number eight. Our last three match mini previews from the countdown portion of the show will all be Thursday matches. This next one, number eight, is one from the U.S. Open Cup. That's our FA Cup here, and it's in the second round. The matchup we thought looked most intriguing was Rochester NYFC taking on Lansdowne uh, Boys out of Yonkers, New York. Now, the reason that it looks so intriguing is this. Uh, NY, uh, Rochester NYFC, they play out of a brand new league called MLS Next Pro, and that is a second division uh, league, just like USL Championship, but none of the same teams. It's only like them and that they're part of the same tier. Most of the teams in Next Pro are not eligible for the U.S. Open Cup because they're directly affiliated to an MLS team. At this point, Rochester is, I believe, one of only two clubs uh, which is not affiliated with one, and so they are still eligible for the Cup. And then they will be taking on first-round winners. This is where the amateur teams came out of. Uh, Lansdowne Boys from Yonkers, New York. They qualified by winning the National Amateur Cup. And as interesting in that matchup is, that's all we're going to say about it, because at this time of the podcast, as always, when we use soccer as an excuse to learn about culture from our own country, from around the world, which means mainly we are learning about, person noob? Food. Food. Maybe it should be food, like good food. Why? Or it could be good food. They both have double O in the middle. That could work. Okay, fair enough. Uh, nevertheless, whether or not this is good food, let's pronounce it correctly, let's talk about a famous dish from Rochester, New York. It's really only known, I believe, for two things. One of them is just a mustard. We'll talk a little bit about that, but the main thing is an actual dish called a garbage plate. Does that sound tasty? No. <laughs> when you find out what's on it, we'll see if you still agree. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. This is a dish that goes all the way back in its roots to 1918. Uh, to say it was invented then is probably a misuse of the word, but uh, maybe not. In any case, that's when it came to be uh, known in uh, its somewhat current form. Although back then it was not called garbage plate. It was called hots and potatoes, or as the locals simply shortened it to, hots and potots to make it rhyme, which is kind of cool. Here's how the original looked. It's a piled high plate, as you might guess by the name garbage, with fried potatoes, baked beans, grilled hot dogs, onions, mustard, probably yellow French's mustard, because that's the other kind of food that Rochester is famous for. Don't think it's made there now, but I know it used to be. And a chili-like meat sauce. Now, 
it wasn't until many years later when as a college town it got its name. A lot of college kids, and I don't know if they couldn't read or what, or maybe it wasn't on the menu. You could just, you know, maybe it was like their version of a secret menu, but they didn't know the name of it. So the college kids would just say, yeah, uh, give me a plate with all that garbage. Hence the name. Now, fast forward all the way to 1992, as popular as this was, the restaurant, which I believe is still around, finally trademarked the name. And then that forced other places that were serving the dish to give it, to change the names of it on their menu. And uh, probably a few of the ingredients to make it just different enough. The modern version that if you were to go to Rochester today that you could get at that restaurant, which by the way is Nick, I'm gonna pronounce it Tahoe Hots. Nick Tahoe Hots, T-A-H-O-U. Your modern way of ordering this. You get two based items. You gotta get your starch going. Uh, you get uh, two from a list that usually includes home fries, pasta salad, baked beans, mac and cheese, and french fries. Now, without knowing what the rest of the dish is going to be like, person, which would you choose from the two kinds of fries, pasta salad, baked beans, and mac and cheese? What do you want for the base of your garbage plate? Which two? Beans and french fries. Beans and french fries. Okay. A couple that you're more familiar with, perhaps, than home fries, at least by name. And uh, I know you're not a real mac and cheese person unless it's just the right mac and cheese, right? Mm -hmm. What's your favorite kind? I can't remember. Crab. Yeah, that's my least favorite kind. I like more of the generic ones with the darker orange cheese. Neither here nor there, though. We can still be the world's greatest soccer comedy podcast father-daughter team and have our different tastes on mac and cheese. Now, today you can still get for your meat, you get a choice of one meat, uh, you get cheeseburgers, or grilled hot dogs. Cheeseburgers have far and away become uh, the meat of choice for most patrons. Although you could also get, instead, you could get eggs, fish, and at some of the other restaurants, a lot of different meat choices, but they'll call it different things at the different restaurants now, of course. So if you've been to Rochester, you may have eaten somewhere where you saw it uh, called a, uh, a trash plate or a dumpster plate or just a messy plate because the name's now been trademarked. Which meat would you choose, person noob? Grilled Red Hots? which is hot dogs, cheeseburgers, eggs, or fish? Fish. Fish. You want fish on top of your beans and your fries. Yeah. You better hope it's salmon. I know salmon's your favorite, but I have a feeling it's more of a just a plain white fish. I like cod, too. Oh, you like cod? Well, that is a white fish, so super. That works out well if we ever end up in Rochester. Maybe they'll have a Scrabble tournament for me and Mommy to go to someday. You can come with us to Rochester. How would that be? Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, here's what you're getting on top of it, person noob. Plate is topped with that chili-like meat sauce, onions, and the bright yellow, probably French's mustard. Now, I've got one more question, person noob. The music that you've been hearing behind this. Have you ever heard this music before? No. No? Well, check this out. I'm going to scroll over and show you why I picked this. It wasn't happenstance. Who do you know that lives in a garbage can. I know the Oscar the Grouch. Yes, and the music you're hearing is the, it doesn't sound very grouchy, but it is the Grouch Anthem instrumental from Sesame Street's first ever movie, which I had never heard of, called Follow That Bird. I don't know if it'll specifically make you hungry for garbage plate, but you know, I could go for a garbage plate right now. How about you? No. No? Okay, so we'll have to talk about it off air, how soon it is that we're going to go to Rochester. And now it's time for... Jokes in the Jelly Jar, Jokes in the Jelly Jar. It's a jelly jar full of jokes. Ta-da! 
Not not bad, especially considering I don't think you thought about what it was going to sound like till just now. Yeah, we're going to do a new segment. I'll bet you can cast the name listeners, Jokes from the Jelly Jar. And it's just us telling each other dad jokes and trying to get each other riled up. All right, do you want to go first with the one you found? My wife doesn't think I give her enough privacy. At least, that's what it says in her diary. Uh, don't put that joke back in the jelly jar. That's awful. I hate that. Who writes di- Do people write diaries anymore? I think they just blog and they do podcasts. Maybe you should do your own podcast. Talk about the life of a person who probably get more listeners than this show. But that's not the dad joke I'm going to tell you. I was having trouble with my internet at the farm, person noob, so you know what I did? I moved to the modem to the barn. Now I have stable Wi-Fi. She's, you're going to have to describe your laughter because you actually are reacting, but it's just not audible. I have my laughing. You yes, kinda... that is a sound. I have a click in my throat that stopped me from laughing, but that is a laugh. That is a laugh. So is that the best joke you've ever heard? No. No. This is a dad joke. It's have a we, bad Have joke. we tortured each other enough, or should I should I give more. you one more? Ten more. No, one more. I'll give you one more. What did one angry pizza say to the other? You want a piece of me? <laughs> ah! <laughs> person who fall, person who falling over and laughing, not realizing that when you fall, you get farther away from the microphone. You want to hear a mom joke? Uh, okay. What did one wall say to the other wall? I don't know. What did one wall say to the other wall? Meet you at the corner. Yeah, what makes that a mom joke instead of a dad joke? Either way, it's bad. Because it doesn't make any sense. Dad jokes are bad jokes that make sense. Mom jokes are jokes that don't make sense. Well, they do make sense. Walls meet at a corner. Do the theme song again. Jokes in, in a jelly, jelly jar. jar. Jokes, jokes in a jelly, jelly jar. jar. They jo- are jokes in a jelly jar. Ta-da! Should we bring that one back another time? Yes. Yes? We forgot to start recording. Oh, I know. Match number nine. By and large, it is the men that have been getting the World Cup qualifying spotlight from most news sources all over the place. And, you know, perhaps rightfully so. There's been a lot of it going on. But there's also been a little bit of World Cup qualifying for the 2023 women's iteration. Uh, in Europe, they are in the group stage right now. They they have things divided a little strangely, in my opinion. They've got nine groups, but they're not evenly uh, sized. Some of them have five. Some of them have six teams. In any case, the winners get to go on to the World Cup. The second place finishers will advance to another playoff round. Everybody else will go home. The matchup that we're going to look at is number four, Belarus, in group C, taking on number B, Iceland. Here's how the table looks. Number one in Europe, and I actually didn't have any idea that the Netherlands was all that strong. So, you know, I guess I'm real, as much as I'm a noob in general, I guess I'm really a women's footy noob. But I'm trying, and it takes time to learn the whole world all at once, gosh darn it. Anyway, they have 11 points in the table, but they've also played the most games other than last place, uh, Cyprus. Iceland have a match in hand and are only two points behind, so they could still win the group. Czech Republic 
have five points, a match in hand on the Netherlands. And then Belarus, yes, they only have four points, but they have two matches in hand on the Netherlands and therefore one match in hand against the other two teams that we just talked about. And we will talk about Belarus first. They are the number 30 ranked teams of all those left in this event. Uh, That put them in pot number four. Hence the reason that I say that they're sort of predicted to finish in fourth place. They're rated number 55 by FIFA. They've never qualified for a World Cup or for the European uh, Championships for that matter. Here in the group stage, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one, with just a 5-4 and four goal differential. That's not nearly enough offense by a long shot. They're going to have to at least double their output if they're honestly going to catch up with anybody in this group. Uh, and if they're able to, perhaps it will be at the feet of top 10 events score, because she has two goals from Group C anyway, uh, Anna Pilipenko. Midfielder, 33 years old. Her club, she's currently with Dynamo Minsker in her home country, and she's earned 24 national team caps since 2009. This team's current form, 1-1-1 in their last three with a 5-4 and four goal differential. Oh, guess I already mentioned that. <laughs> in any case, let's move on to Ireland then. Before I start with Iceland, before I start repeating everything, they are seeded number thirteen this event, which means they came out of pot number two. So they, in fact, are your favorites to get to move on to the next playoff round. FIFA ranks them number eighteen. Now they've never qualified for a World Cup, but they have made it to the last three European Championships. Two thousand thirteen was their best effort there. They made the quarterfinals. In this event's group stage, they are 3-0-1 with a healthy offense. They've scored 13 and only given up two. So when it comes to goal differential, they're actually hanging right in there uh, uh, with the Netherlands. They're down only one in that regard. Now, uh, tied for second place in event group scoring, not just their group, but all of them, is uh, Svendes Jane John's daughter. She is a forward, just 20 years old, and I wouldn't expect her to be here after this year. She's uh, currently on loan, or rather, she'll be with the Icelandic team. The club she plays with is a Swedish one called Christianstad DFF, but she's going to be with one of the world greats. Her actual rights are owned by VFL Wolfsburg, world-class club. And she's already got 13 national team caps to her credit, despite her young age. And we have a USA connection from the Orlando Pride, Gunhilder Irsa John's daughter, midfielder, 33-year-old veteran. Uh, she's also played with Utah Royals. And back in her college days, she was at the University of Reykjavik, but she did do one semester abroad, and that was at Pepperdine out in California, and she got to play with the team there. More noteworthy, perhaps, she's got 87 national team caps to her credit since 2011. Their current form, well, in the fairly recent uh, USA-hosted She Believes Cup, they lost nil five, but USA is number one in the world. That's going to happen, quite frankly. Uh, That loss, though, did snap a six-match win streak that they had in that competition and other competitions. And over those matches, other than when the USA, they only allowed one goal through the entire streak. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! And we'll make a second Mexico visit this podcast, but this time, as you would imagine, we're not doing Champions League talk. It is Liga MX. They are in their second stage of the 2020-21 season, the Clausura stage. Now, with this league, all the top 12 teams make the playoffs, and uh, but only the top four get to go on to the quarterfinals automatically. They're about two-thirds of the way through the single-round robin stage, and the top two finishers will qualify for the next CONCACAF Champions League automatically. Your matchup, number one, Pachuca, taking on number B, Tigres, U-A-N-L. Tigres have had the better of it in recent seasons, sporting a 14-11-8 record, although in the Apertura stage when they played at Tigres, 
uh, the uh, Tigres only got a 1-1 draw. Here's how the table looks. Pachuca have 25. Tigres, they're two back. And then Puebla, uh, probably really the only threat this late to take over a, a top two spot. Uh, they are just one point behind Tigres. And you can catch this at 8 o'clock in the evening, Eastern Time, on TUDN, Spanish Broadcast. Pachuca, I don't really have a favorite Liga MX team, but if I had to pick one by uh, mascot, it could be this one, the Gophers, which I assume is a reference uh, to the historical mining days of this town. It's about an hour, the city's about an hour from Mexico City. It's got a much more diversified economy now, of course, but it was once almost exclusively a mining town. And hence, you've still got a lot of people of Cornish descent there because people from Cornwall, Wales, with a lot of mining experience, started to immigrate all over the world with their expertise back in the 1800s and early 1900s, I believe. Footy-wise, they have won the league title six times, most recently, uh, the Clausura stage of 2016. They went on to win one of their five Champions League titles the following season. Uh, this season in the Apertura stage, they were having real problems on defense. Finished only 15th overall in the table. Now, their goal differential did show that they should have been a little bit better than that, to be honest. But ultimately, it's not the GD as, much, as key as that metric can be for prediction. At the end of the day, you got to get more wins than draws, and they just weren't doing it. But they are now, and largely because of their defense, they are now tied for number one in that regard. Makes me wonder if they didn't have a key injury or two or something last stage, because they're not even giving up a goal per match right now. And their offense is top two as well. In offensive regards, they've got the second best league score in Nicolas Ibanez, their Argentinian center forward. Atletico Madrid over in La Liga actually had the rights to him for a couple of years, but they always loaned him out to really a much lesser Liga MX team in San Luis. And now he seems to be in Mexico, perhaps uh, to stay. He's found his home. On the assist leaderboard for them is Victor Guzman, midfielder who has spent his entire club career since 2015 right here. He's even earned a few national team caps, probably in 2018, maybe 2019. Came up as a defensive midfielder, but guys like this are fun to watch. If you catch this on TUDN, you'll probably find him playing winger. That's where he will start out. Not quite as, but still you know, sliding back on defense some. But then later in the game, when people are forgetting to mark him, he sneaks up right during the middle when attacks are forming. Nobody's got an eye on him, and he's able to contribute in the second half specifically in that way. Kind of cool. Best player they have going, most valuable right now, is probably uh, Luis Chavez. He's a central midfielder them. Tends to lean a lot more on defensive duties. Doesn't contribute much offensively, but he's great at clearance. Uh, wonderful with his tackle rate. I'm not sure this is the fastest guy in the world. Doesn't get a lot of interceptions, but still in the center of the field, incredibly valued, knocking people down. And we have a USA connection. I don't know much about him, but apparently he is rep for the U.S. at some point, declared at least that he would at the youth level, perhaps. Fernando Alvarez, defender for them. Team's current form, they are 6-1-0 in their last seven. They've won five straight, straight, and they've conceded nary a goal over their last three. And now Tigres, they play out of the city of uh, San Nicolas, which is way out on one of the edges of the greater Monterey area. They're part of that metro. It's actually a more densely populated area because it is largely residential. Uh, they probably got at least a half a million people out there, and it is the third biggest city in the state. They've won one Champions League title, and that was just two years ago. They've won the seven. Uh, they've won the league title seven times. Most recent one was that 2019 Clausura. 
last stage, the Apertura, they finished in fourth place, made the playoffs, of course, and got as far as the semifinals. Uh, this year, the defense, it, it's above average, but not leaves and bounds for this stage, but they've got the number one offense going. And it's so good that they are, in fact, uh, tied for having the second best goal differential overall. Thank you very much because of Andre Pierre Gignac, their French senior striker, 36 years old, long in the soccer tube, but obviously very much still getting it done. Doesn't play for the national team in France anymore. He did earn 36 caps up through 2016, and he did spend a bunch of time with a pretty darn good team in Marseille in France's League One, as well as Yo-Yo Team Toulouse. I believe they're in League Two right now. And then the other player I'd like you to look out for if you're watching this, number one on assists in the entire league is Luis Quinones, their Colombian winger. Bring forth the bonus matches. Thank you so much to everybody who's been participating on Twitter in our polls that I put out at the beginning of the week. When it comes to the three bonus matches, yes, you, the listener, get to help determine what the content is going to be. I throw up the candidates, you vote, and the magic happens. It's lovely. So, Let's get into our first bonus match. It's a first versus last place matchup from some top flight domestic league in the world that we like to call dramatically the route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And the one that you have selected is from the Premier League of Belize. Yeah, we're staying fairly close to home, both geographically and linguistically interesting. Make a note about that here in a moment. This is the lowest rated easily of all the teams in Central America. As such, they only get to send one team to the CONCACAF League, which in turn is a feeder tournament for the CONCACAF Champions League. There is no relegation, and <laughs> they really don't need it. The, the league's kind of been shrinking. They've only got six teams in it this year. That's down quite a bit. Uh, this is the last match of the closing stage. If we were in any of the other countries in Latin America, you would say Clausura. But of course, in Belize... The national language is English, so they are opening and closing stages. And as I mentioned, this is the final match, and it's the eighth one, which is weird because that means they're uh, playing more than a single round robin, but not, you know, not nearly a double round robin. Not really sure how they determine the unbalanced schedule. But hey, it's Belize; it's practically paradise. They can do it any way they want, as far as I'm concerned. Your matchup: last place, number six, Caesar Ridge versus number one Verdes. Verdes uh, lead number B, San Pedro Pirates, by seven in the table, so they've locked up the title. And on the other end of things, Caesar Ridge they trailed number five uh, Wagia by four, so they have cemented last place. But they'll be around next year, presumably as well. No relegation. And we will talk about your sad sacks first out of Belize City, which, believe it or not, is not the capital, or I should say no longer the capital, despite the name. Uh, it was the capital when the country was British Honduras, but then in 1970, they moved it to uh, Belmapan. It's very Caribbean in culture, unlike a lot of even the, less, the rest of the country, let alone the rest of Central America. Very interesting area. It's the biggest city in the country. It's in the east, northeast part, if you were to look at a map, uh, central coast, about 60,000 people. It is the primary port for the country as well as the industrial hub. This is where everything happens. In the uh, opening stage this year, they finished in last place as well. They only earned two points in their 10 matches, but that's better than they've done this time. They're 0-1-6 with a 3-15 and goal differential. Although when it comes to the route of the week, we always try to find a glimmer of hope, a reason to think that maybe they can win. Well, 
while they're not really playing for anything but pride, Verdes isn't playing for anything either. So maybe they'll play a lot of reserves, maybe not. But in addition to that possibility, Caesar Ridge just got their point in their last match. Maybe they're finally putting it together. They got a draw on the road, no less, at number three, and usually, I believe, second place, Altitude FC. And now Verdes, they are known as the Green Machine. And if you know your Spanish right not, it would be the Yellow Machine if it were Amarillo. They play out of the uh, town of San Ignacio. It's the second biggest one in the country. Probably doesn't even have 30,000 people. It's not on the coast at all. It's about as far as you can get. It's on the west central edge uh, near a national border. Pretty notable. And I hadn't known this about San Ignacio before, even though I talked about Verdes on my website back in the day. So we've got 30,000 people, and yet a lot of them are Lebanese and Chinese, specifically from uh, the Guangzhou province. Not sure why that is, but that could be a fun rabbit hole to go on down on your own sometime. This area, if you vacationed there and weren't on the coast, this is where you've been because there's a ton of ruins, lots of nature reserves. And uh, one of their biggest thing, when you think ecotourism, you tend to think zip lining and stuff like that, but cave canoeing is huge there. And that is exactly my speed. I would love to get down there for that. As far as the footy, they have won the overall league championship three different times, and they are the defending champions. Uh, there was no season a year ago because of COVID, but the year before they won it. This is the first club that ever got to compete in what is now the CONCACAF Champions League. And then here in the modern era, They've been there uh, twice. They lost in the preliminary round the first time, and then they actually did get to the group stage in 2015-2016. How does their league look this year? They're standing well. In the opening stage, they went undefeated, but they did get one draw, so not quite perfect, but they're trying to best that here in the closing stage. 7-0-0 with a 20-2 goal differential. Sorry, Caesar Ridge, but I think just bringing anybody to town, Verdes are going to be able to take this 0-5 pretty easy. That's my prediction. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Is there another podcast, musically or otherwise, I ask you, that has the heart to do what we do? And that is spotlight two teams smack dab in the middle of their league. They're not going to international competition, nor are they really in any danger of getting knocked down a league. And therefore, nobody is probably talking about them but us. And you're welcome for it. But thank you to you for voting for them. We had more votes for the two 14 candidate matches on Twitter, Soccer Noob USA, by the way, in case I forgot to mention it earlier, than we have ever had before. And yet it was the match from Algeria's League Pro 1 that got the most votes. Nearly all the teams got at least one, which was really amazing as well. But apparently all like heading to Africa, we're happy to do it. Now, this is one of the better leagues in all of Africa. Their top three teams all get to go to different international competitions. The bottom four of the 18 are going to get relegated, and these two ain't going to catch a sniff of any of that business. It is number 10 ASO, Clef, versus number 9 US Biskra. Biskra currently lead Clef by two, as if it matters. Clef, uh, their nickname is uh, Chalfawa, which I assume is from Arabic, but I couldn't find anything on that specifically. Now, I did find a, a different word that I believe is Arabic, and when it's Romanized, it's um, 
chelfawa instead of chafawa, which means cost. So if they're related, it might have to do with money, being the boss. You run into that sort of thing a lot of different places. Uh, millionaires is a big uh, nickname for, I know, clubs in South America at the very least. Anyway, uh, the city of Clef is in the north-central part of the country, about 120 miles west of the capital of Algiers, about 200,000 people. It was first founded all the way back in 1947 as Association Sportive de Orleansville. Yes, I was slipping in and out of my bad French accent there. Nothing to be done for it at this point. But what's interesting is that the club was specifically uh, put together to rival a European club there in uh, Orleansville, which, as you would guess, is the former name of what they now call Clef. And then so once the colonial days were done and the team dissipated, Clef is the one that you were left with. Pretty cool. Now, they've only ever won the league title one time. That was just over a decade ago. They've made two Champions Leagues, and they even made the group stage in 2012. Last year, they finished all the way down at 16th, where they might have been in our third uh, bonus match that we'll get to in a little bit. It'll make more sense then if you're a first-time listener. So the most meaningless match in the world is actually a step up for them. Uh, all their statistics pretty much put them exactly where they should be. They could end up climbing a notch or two. They've got a positive goal differential after all. Team scoring leader with six on the season is Mustafa Alili. He is homegrown midfielder for them. Teams form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three, and they have scored two goals in each of those matches. Perhaps they will get exactly two this time, which would mean it'll be a 2-2 draw because it seems like the meaningless match is always a draw. But hoping to buck that trend and get a win and take over the lead, or rather pad their lead, is Viscra, who are known as the Kadra, which is Arabic for green, if memory serves. Uh, they are in the northeast part of the country, but not on the coast where most of the population is. They're about 250 miles from uh, the capital city. This is a really popular winter resort town. It's really uh, uh, on the edge of desert area, and there are geothermal spas there. And this is where we're going to come for our most meaningless fact of the podcast. I usually like to look for the most meaningless player, find somebody statistically who's just very, very average. But I actually thought those factoid would fit well at first because it was, you know, it seemed pretty boring. But then I'm like, you know what? Actually, that's kind of cool. Anyway, you can decide for yourself. There's a gal named Claire Sheridan, the history majors might recognize her name, who had a house in Biskra, amongst many other places around the world. She was the cousin of Sir Winston Churchill. And she was uh, not, not famous, if you will, in her own right. I'd not heard of her, but I'm not really huge on visual arts <clears throat> as much as I should be for a liberal arts guy. She had that house in Biskra, and what she would like to do there is what's called holding salon. Now, I'm familiar with hair salons, but I didn't realize the etymology of the word to hold salon meant to invite invite a lot of guests, usually distinguished guests over, otherwise just a get-together or a powwow, I suppose. And then they would uh, read poetry and talk about the news, and it was very, very high society. It was an invitational. Well, she had her house in Biskra, and in the wintertime, that is where she would go. And then she would hold salon, where she would show off the famous uh, sitting busts that she had sculpted. And then in addition to that, she would read, rather than poetry, I think, by and large, she would read uh, from her own uh, diaries. She was something of a journalist who uh, traveled the world and wrote a lot about her travels. So meaningless, boring, or not meaningless. Again, you can be the judge. I thought it was interesting, although not at first. I had to come around on it. 
As far as the footy, this team is something of a yo-yo team to the top flight. They got re-promoted to Division One in 2017. Last year, they were just in 14th place. So while they weren't in the relegation zone quite, uh, this is still an improvement for them. Uh, top eight offense, top nine defense. They're right about where they should be, to be perfectly honest. They do have one star, number four league score with 10 goals, is uh, Haikam Mukhtar. He's a forward. He spent his entire career with Algerian clubs. Team's current form, uh, they have lost three straight and have no wins in their last five. The offense basically has just evaporated for them into the desert air. And now here at the end of our podcast road, it is time for the match of... Disappointed! That's right. We don't end on notes of happiness or joy, but rather with scorn, wailing, and gnashing of teeth over two really, really putrid teams that... I don't want to be real mean with one of them and punch down for reasons that you'll learn shortly. Uh, the match that you selected is a Wednesday match out of the Premier League of Kenya. Now, from this league, two of the 18 teams are going to get relegated, and uh, one of them is going to have to play in a relegation uh, playoff to keep their spot in the top flight. Season's about two-thirds over, and yet these two teams haven't played yet. They're going to play this week, and they're going to play each other next week as well, so two consecutive games. Your matchup is number 18 in last place, uh, Matari United. They're taking on number 17, Vahiga Bullets. I'm not sure if Bullets is a nickname or an official part of the club name, or if maybe it was, because uh, I see it back and forth as Vahiga Bullets and Vahiga United. Maybe once they decide on a name once and for all, they'll get a little bit better. <laughs> now, uh, Vah- I had to poke a little bit of fun. Vahiga Bullets, uh, they lead uh, Matari by four, and they trailed number 16, Wazido. That's the RPO spot. By five, and they tra- and they trail number fifteen and Zoya Sugar by ten points. There's virtually no chance that uh, either of these two teams isn't going to do it. Is you know, they're going to at least have to try to survive in that RPO slot. Best they can probably hope for. We'll talk about Matari first, and they're sort of the reason that, as I mentioned, I don't want to punch down. Their nickname for the team is Home of Slum Boys. Now, that that could be for a certain degree of comic effect or seizure of their socioeconomic status or whatever, but I'll explain. Uh, They play out of the capital city of Nairobi, but there's an old collection of slums in the city, a population of about a half a million called uh, Mathare or Matare, M-A-T-H-A-R-E. And I've seen pictures and they about redefine slum. It is, they are really sad, rickety areas to look at. In fact, they don't even play their football right there. The grounds that they play in are in a residential area of Maserani, which is where Tusker FC plays. That's their home stadium. They allow this team to play there. Tusker's one of the best teams in Kenya most years. Uh, Yet, this team has won one league title, 2008. They went out in the preliminary round of the next Champions League. They went 3-2-18 so far this year. Last year, they didn't miss having a you know, played a relegation playoff by much. They were just in 15th place. Uh, they've got the uh, second to worst offense, worst defense by a lot. They give up more than two goals per match. They're 0-1-5 uh, with a 5-11 and goal differential over that stretch. So they're finding a modicum of offense, but the defense compares uh, appears to be the big boogaboo. Now, I am not 100% for certain on this. I'm just, you know, using my powers of induction or deduction or whatever here that the slum boys thing is really quite real. I have a strong feeling, and I know all the players are from Kenya, that the players who are on this team are actually probably all or nearly all from 
the actual slum area of Matara. I can't imagine why else that they would have that particular name. But just a very interesting team and another fun rabbit hole to maybe go off on on your own sometime. Now, Vahika Bullets, they play out of the uh, town of Mbale, which is populated largely by the indigenous people called the Marigoli. Uh, it's in the west-southwest part of the country, about 60,000. Uh, Vahiga, by the way, they get their name. That's the name of the county. The grounds they play in, however, are not in Mbali. They are in what I presume is a larger city nearby, Kakamega, which is home to the number one club, Kakamega Homeboys, which when you spell that, don't forget, sometimes when you go to Africa, it's like a time machine back to the 90s and you've got to spell stuff with a Z on the end. Yeah, B-O-Y-Z, Homeboys. Ugh. Anyway, uh, promoted to Division One in 2018. So it's hard to be too hard on them for... Uh, being in the match of disappointed, they're, you know, they're finding their way. Last year, they were in 16th place and had to uh, win the relegation playoff in order to be here once again. This year, they are 3-6-14, and 14, worst offense in the league by a lot. They've only scored 14 goals in like 23 matches, second worst defense. Uh, they have lost two straight after getting one of their three wins, uh, which was the recently featured in the most meaningless match of the world team from Talanta. And even though I said we weren't going to poke too much fun of these teams or give particularly the Slum Boys too hard of a time, nevertheless, we will still hold to our tradition and not send them off with wishes of good luck, but rather in our usual fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! boo! And that's a wrap on F77 of Soccer Noob. Rock in America. Thank you very much to the management for all the wizardry that is his editing and production. To Dan, my website's former Interno Inferno. He's always on fire with his creative efforts and contributions. To, of course, the birthday girl, Person Noob. I love having a double digit aged uh, co host now, as well as a daughter, of course. And thank you to you for listening, whatever your age. We appreciate that you've tuned in and hope that you will pass along information about us to your footy-minded friends. We'd really love that. We endeavor to bring you information on different leagues and different teams that perhaps nobody else is covering. And we'd like to think that you and your friends might like it. In any case, until we do it again in a few days, please have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care.